So uh, we have a guest speaker t- today. Um, Pastor Phil and Vicki Epperson are going to be sharing today. And before they come up, I wanted to, uh, to mention to you guys kind of where we're heading as a church on the weekends um, and throughout the week. So we are kind of like easing into a season of prayer and fasting. Dave last week began that process with his message on the Holy Spirit, Help Wanted, and he mentioned prayer in that, and he mentioned how to defeat the enemy. He, he mentioned that, and, he, and we kind of are easing into it. And the reason is because I feel like we're just now kind of like coming out of the holiday stupor of Thanksgiving and Christmas being so close together, and then holiday in the middle of the week with Christmas on a Wednesday and then New Year's Day on a Wednesday. This past week is almost the first week where we feel like we're back in the routine. And so I wanted to kind of allow us to ease in and then to begin to challenge us to say, okay, we have our wits about us now. Now where are we heading? What are we doing? And so prayer and fasting is a focus that I really feel is important for us to kick off this new year. And so uh, Pastor Phil and Vicki are going to come and talk about that. Now, before they do, um, I want you to know that they are awesome. But I had some words that I found, and I've kind of modified them a little bit to kind of fit us. And so um, here's kind of where my heart is with this new season. So as we start another year, and one as significant as 2020, I want to encourage you to start from a place of guaranteed success on your knees. The best way to ensure a successful and productive year is to start strong with a time of prayer and fasting individually and together as a community. As our church heads into its 11th year, which is crazy to think, right, let's look forward to critical moments of breakthrough and miracles that will be the direct result of focused prayer and fasting at the beginning of this calendar year. If we're going to see, God, see kingdom power and authority in our communities, we must pick up the weapons of fasting and prayer and intentionally move into a season of pursuit. There are no shortcuts or programs that can set the captives free, releasing the power of God that we are craving. Let's set up every second place family for a breakthrough year as we seek God together. How's that sound? To me, that feels strong, and it feels like, man, if we can move into that together, that will be amazing. I realize that when you walked in today, that was not on your radar, and that's okay because we're easing into this season, and you're going to feel the challenge kind of build. But I'm I'm excited because not only are they Pastor Phil and Vicki Epperson, but they're my in-laws. So as soon as I get up here, I'm running, and I'm hiding. But uh, Pastor and Vicki, they've been um, amazing in my life. Um, Pastor, he uh, is a mentor to me. He, he changed my life because of his, he, he said yes to me being able to marry Sarah, um, which was, uh, he had a moment of craziness that he said yes. But he didn't say yes until the second time. The first time he said no, no joke. And then the second time I was like, but for real. And uh you can hear that story some other time. But the, the whole idea is that he has been a, and is a mentor to me. Um, we talk a lot about God, a lot about church, a lot about what God's doing. And he's taught me a lot with his discipline. I felt like it was important. I haven't said this in the other services. I felt like it was super important for us to hear from the two of them as we kick into this season. Because if there's anybody that is a man and a woman of prayer, if you know these two, it's these two. Am I right? 
And so I won't give away how old Nani is, but Papa's 80, and he can outrun most of you, all right? And I'll just tell you, anybody who has done what he's done for as long as he's done, consistently over time, you will hear now from a man who has the benefit of saying, this is what prayer has done in my life. And so today they're going to come up and they're going to teach us a little bit. So let's give it up for Pastor Phil and Vicki. Well, when Joe said, will you come, two words, why pray? Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? If you did the soul workouts for the past few weeks that we were doing, he made us hone in, zero in on core value of our life. So we would write, nope, that's not quite it, tear it up and throw it away, write it again, tear it up, throw it away. Why pray? Mm -hmm. What has kept this 72-year-old lady thinking, I'm going to keep praying, not because it's the religious thing to do, not because somebody's standing over my shoulder <laughs> deciding whether that's what I should do. <laughs> but that word pursue, that pursuit, that's what I settled on for a two-pronged why pray. Why pray? Number one, as I melted all of that down inside of me, is I pray to peace. Mm -hmm. I pray to peace. And I think the basis, the scriptural basis of it is Ecclesiastes 3.11, that God created man and that there's a vacuum that's inside that God and God alone can satisfy. Now, that had to get resolved early on in my life. It probably should have gotten resolved earlier than it did. I distinctly remember it was after our first child was born. And it wasn't my first encounter with God on prayer, but it was the one that set the course for the rest of my life. Because I had to get settled. Do I believe as core value, I can put the word to it now, not then, that God is omnipotent, that he's omniscient, and that he's omnipresent, and he's in charge of my life. I had to get that resolved. Bringing new life into the world caused me to look with a whole new perspective. No longer could I accept what my mom had taught me, what my church had taught me, what the Sunday school classes had told me. I had to own that for myself. Mm -hmm. And the pursuit of peace, because I needed to get in. That pursuit still is today. It's the first prong. It's the beginning, I think, for most everyone. Because John um, 14, verse 27, I think it is, when Jesus had taught on the earth these group of disciples and, and the people that were in his life. And he's just about, he knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to die. And what he leaves us, I think, is crucial. He said, I'm leaving you this gift. This gift is peace of heart and peace of mind. 
Now, who wouldn't want that gift? And I think that's what my pursuit in prayer was to, uh, I didn't know to put words to it then, but that was that first prong. I've got to get to you. And I was 23 years old, having grown up in the church, accepted Christ. I don't even remember when, four, five, six, because my mom led me to the Lord. The second prong, and this was the tough one, I would say fast forward 15 years, around 1985-86, and there was this confliction inside of me that wouldn't go away. God, I can't tell people that prayer works. You pray. And I kept thinking, if I get it right enough, if I learn more, if I know more, if I can be taught more, God, I'm, because the circumstances of life were happening around me. And God, I'm praying all I know to pray. I'm doing the best I know to do. And it's upheaval, and it won't go away. It's not prayer, prayer, and this is going to be gone. But that second prong was the pursuit of who God is. Mm -hmm. No matter what's happening around me, no matter what the circumstances are screaming at me, this is not working, this is not working. And I said, God, I can't tell people it works if it doesn't work for me. So I would say a year, year and a half of that pursuit, and it was a pursuit. I got this clear word from the Lord, and it wasn't an audible voice, but it might as well have been. Pray my promises. Don't pray circumstances. Pray my promises. Don't pray circumstances. And I've spent the last 30, whatever, however many years that is from the middle 80s, pursuing that second prong of who Jesus is. And it's the last thing that I heard when we walked out of the pulpit ministry in the year 2000. And I do want to get back to a scripture, so don't let me forget that. But bunny trail now. That word, walking out, what, that was kind of confusing after spending 22 close to 23 years of our life in that one place. And as I, we were exiting, I thought, God, what's it all been about? What has all of that part of my life been about? And he was very clear. And again, not a voice, but the assignment was clear. The church must get to know Jesus. The church must get to know the person of Jesus Christ. Because it's just what Joe alluded to, and I had no idea what he was going to say with that. But when we believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when we buy into that hook, line, and sinker, that starts that pursuit of who Jesus is. Then Philippians 3.10, from the early 90s, through however many years that's been now. Philippians 3, 10, in the Amplified, it's very wordy, but it'll be worth your while. The Lord took many months walking me through it, word by word by word. For my determined purpose is, Paul wrote to the church, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may perceive him, 
that I might understand, that I might recognize the wonder of his person more strongly and more clearly and in that same way, in that determined purpose, come to know the power of his resurrection that is in me, the believer. Man, that's good stuff. So why I keep praying, pray to peace, pursue peace, and the pursuit of who Jesus is. Now tell them about that word we got for the trip across America. We were, of course, after leaving pastoring, Holy Spirit had spoken to us and said, pray across America in every state in the union. <clears throat> well, I do like traveling. I didn't. Don't. <laughs> so, I said I wasn't going. Yeah, I thought I was going alone, uh, but she did show up. Uh, but the point was, uh, we were pr preparing to go, and so we were going to different churches speaking, and we were at the uh, uh, Living Water Church over uh, in Bolingbrook, and I would pastor was going to be gone a few days. They were so kind and just oh, generous. So generous. He said, go sit in my office, sit in my chair, take my phone and make your calls. And I would, so I did that. And I, I dialed up the phone of a friend in Springfield, Missouri to see if he could help us. And as uh, I picked up the phone to start to dial it, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, just stopped me immediately and says, what has prayer done for you? And I thought for a moment, well, uh, you've blessed me with four kids. Uh, they, uh, they're all married. No one had to pay for any more expenses. Uh, <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> and no, and then, then, then he stopped me, and he said, no, this is what prayer has done for you. Prayer has put your ear to my heart, and you heard my heart beat. That's why we pray. That's the heart of Christ when you get to know Jesus so well. Now, you're telling me something, and I'm not getting the message, so... Uh, let me, uh, at the close of the service, Vicki and I are going to stand over here at close of our message, and we're going to stand over here, and uh, we're going to wait for you if you want to come by, and we'll pray with you to help you with your prayer life, or just to uh, pray over you that it would become a great prayer life. So tonight, uh, today, let me just share with you very quickly then, why pray? Part one. Why pray? The simple answer to this question is, and you can write these down if you're filling in the form uh, today that you picked up. Prayer, uh, it, this question is, Jesus prayed. Well, if Jesus prayed, I must pray. Surely I'm not better than Jesus. And then it goes on. The disciples prayed. Jesus prayed taught them how to pray. Apostle Paul, oh, before he was born again, he was a rascal. He was killing people. He was fighting against God. After he got converted, he became a man of prayer and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Old Testament leaders, yes, leaders prayed. And it must be important then, if these and many others mentioned in the Bible prayed, now, what is prayer? So how do I know I'm praying? Well, here's the definition. It's an appeal. It's a petition. It's a plea. It depends on your circumstances to how you pray and what you pray. But you're praying when you're talking to God. 
That's called prayer. It's a request. It's a call or an act that seeks to start a relationship with God. Today, if you don't know Christ personally and you ask him to forgive you your sin, come into your life, you have now started a journey of talking to God personally. It's phenomenal and directly toward God. Prayer, then, is the evidence. You can put that in there in your blank. Uh, is the evidence of our defense or our dependence on God. So put the evidence and then our dependence. So prayer says, this is my proof of my relationship with Christ. And it says, I depend on you, God. you got to help me, please. And God says, I'm here. So what is the value of prayer? Prayer does many things. Today, we're just going to talk about one area, and that is prayer, how it defeats worry. Now, I won't ask you to show of hands how many of you worry because really, technically, all of us would raise our hands for a moment. Some of you wouldn't agree to that if I had it public, but defeats worry. Now, how can this work? Well, let's see what happens. Worry is one of the greatest enemies to your life. Fear is the other one. Probably fear is first, worry is second. Uh, if you uh, study and recognize what psychologists would say as to those things threatening human life, worry. Worry will destroy our rest. Do you wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep because of worry? Do you have trouble going to sleep because of worry? Well, get one of those my pillows and maybe you'll do better. <laughs> I've listened to that commercial enough. And I thought, Vicki, let's try that. <laughs> we, we haven't tried it. We're, just, we're working on it. I'm solving it by peace. All right. Worry destroys the rest and our relationships, and it stalks and hijacks our mind. If you worry a lot, you spend a waste of a lot of time with your brain working on things that you can never solve. You you, you lose control, and if, if you don't get control of it then, it, then pretty soon you just really cannot, you become useless. Worry confuses moods, your ups and downs. Why am I feeling so down? And why am I so euphoric today? And, and some, uh, you try to figure it all out. No, no, there's reason for that. This, it destroys creativity. The reason a lot of people never reach the goal in their life is because their creativity was stifled because they worried about whether they could make it or not, could pay their bills or not, or succeed or not. When I was my senior year in high school, my class, I was in the top 10 on my class in education. There was 13 of us. And Vicki said, you probably were 12 or 13. You just didn't realize it. But regardless, I went off to college because the superintendent said, Phil, you need to go to college. You can take it. And, and, I, and one of nine kids, you know, you know lived in the back 40. And poor people called us poor. Uh, and so I, I did. I struck out. I worked uh, on summer, uh, all summer long, and, and uh, saved up some money. I had $25 and a penny matchbox, and that was my quarter's tuition. I paid it. Got a room somehow. I don't remember that how all that happened. And worked my way through one year, two years, four years. And then they said, you know, you might as well stay on and get a master's degree. And you've got enough fellowships and scholarships. We'll just pay for it all. And I said, well, I'll stay. 
And so I continued. I said, I'm not used to having money anyhow. And then, of course, God just kept taking us on and on. What happened was I quit worrying about it, and creativity kicked in, and I started learning how to learn and began to advance, and God helped me so much. And it, because it depletes the sense of, of completion, which comes from within you. God built you with that in your being so that you could be a creative person. But worry will destroy that. Worry keeps us from achieving and acquiring what God has planned for us. Many people do not go in ministry. Many people do not do uh, unusual things. Many people do not uh, accomplish the, even some of the basic simply because they're afraid to. Worry, worry. What if I fail? And that, of course, just completely stifles their life. So Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No. You can't extend your life because you're worried about it. If anything, you shorten your life with worry. All right, so let's look at the solutions in the worry today and just see what uh, God has to uh, reveal to us. First of all, you need to tell Jesus everything. That's another blank there in your, on your form. Tell Jesus everything. See, there's a lot of things that you might not even tell your spouse or you might not tell your best friend, but you need to tell Jesus because he already knows. But there's something about communicating and saying to Jesus, listen to this. And he listens to you. So tell Jesus everything. Thank him for all he has done, write it in, and will do. See, I want you to catch this. Whenever you become thankful, and that was something that really kicked into my uh, life at a pretty early stage in life where I started saying thank you. At home, we just grew up, nine kids, food to eat. It. We, we just we fought for the last chicken leg. We didn't dare let the light go off because if you'd reach for the last leg, you'd find five, nine forks in your hand when the lights came back on, you know. It, it was just, it was tough. But I, would, I realized I wasn't that grateful. And so God began to show me the power of thanksgiving, a whole other subject. It's very, very powerful when you become a thankful person, when you are a person that expresses that thanksgiving to God. So what he has done and what he will do. And then allow your, his peace. Vicki spoke so, so clearly on that. Peace. You've got to be at peace. You've got to be at peace with yourself. And you can say, well, I failed many times. If you knew all the failures I had, how can I ever be peaceful? It's very simple. Talk to Jesus, and he'll put peace in your heart because the, the past is over. Don't let the past haunt you. I can tell you things I wished I should have, would have, could have. But fortunately, I did some other things that's good. And, of course, God allowed it to be a great blessing. But his peace is to guard your heart. So, Thank him for what he has done and will do. You put that in. And guard your heart and mind. Now, we're not talking about the old pumper here. You, I'm glad God kind of protects mine because he's got to keep me going because I've got some places to go and things to see. But, uh, but the heart is the very core of your soul, that where the deposit of the Spirit. When you receive Christ in your life, God made a deposit in you. That's called an investment. He believes in you. He wants you to be all that you can be and accomplish all that you're supposed to accomplish. So guard your heart and mind. 
they're separate. Now, that's the, 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 I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this thing, but your, your mind, the way you think, and your heart, the peace, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God in you, it now needs to dominate or control the way you think. It also helps you keep control of what you read and, and see. There's some garbage out there, folk. And if you just keep your eyes off of that, quit going to that, or not looking at that, I have now restricted myself even how much television I watch. And that's quite an improvement in my life uh, because it's so easy to get dominated by all of that stuff on the screen. And a lot of it is not helpful. Some of it is destructive. But even the, even the stuff that's all right, if it's always that, if you're always feeding your mind with that, you can never have enough time with God and have time to be in the Word and have prayer, have a daily routine of prayer, and watch God begin to work through your life in a very effective, powerful way. In fact, it says in Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 7, says, don't worry about anything. Stop worrying. I had a dentist I was having a tooth, uh, had to have an implant. And, and, but one day I said, you know, I, doctor, I, my jaws are sore. And he said, uh, do you chew gum? And I said, well, I eat a little, those little chiclets. Uh, in a, you know, I said, he said, I may do that. I said, may, oh, I may chew about seven, eight, nine of them in a day. He said, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> I said, I'm going to leave this chair. You're going to be that crude to me. You know what happened? I stopped it. Isn't that amazing? That's why the, the scripture is so clear. He said, don't worry. Stop it about anything. Instead, now this is what happened. Whenever you stop worrying, you've got a vacancy occurring in your mind. He said, now, fill it with prayer. Every time you start to worry about something, you turn and talk to God. You pray, pray about everything. You mean I should pray about, and, and I, I don't want to get into the, 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 such minute detail. Should I turn left or should I turn right? Uh, you know, take the best direction to get to your job. That's usually the way. Now, I have had God help me intercept and said, don't go there. And I don't want to get into my stories because they're personal and I don't mind sharing them. It's just that, that, that people say, well, if Pastor Phil did that, I ought to do that. No, no, you need to work your plan with God the way God wants it to. But he wants you to pray about everything. Decision-making is, is a joint agreement with God the relationship that you work. Tell God what you need and then thank him. Now, this is powerful because if you will find yourself trusting God to help you with what you need, not what you want, but what you need, and, and God will take care of the, the pleasures of life and the joy and the benefits. They, they just come along. But, but he wants you to settle on what, what is needed in your life. And then when you get that, thank him. Be a thankful person. Be a gracious person. Be a, a person that just simply wants to uh, uh, appreciate what God has done and what people are doing. And people that pour into your life, how they're so gracious to you. He says, thank him, thank God for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds all understanding. I can't explain it. When I'm at peace with God, 
I am the, that's the best thing in my life. Vicki's next, but that piece is first. <laughs> my wife, okay. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace then, and this is why she's so important, his peace then will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Get to know Jesus. That is the prince of peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Fill it with peace. That only comes with prayer and the word. You need a regular diet of prayer. You, it, when I made a debt commitment as a junior in college to 30 minutes of prayer from now on, now you have to realize that uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a young farm country boy and trying to uh, uh, go, I'm going places I've never been before. And I, so I uh, had gone to a revival meeting on a Friday night and the, the evangelist had said, uh, it brought us to the altar area like up front here. And, and how many will you commit to praying to 30 minutes from now on? And I'm not uh, talking about uh, of a vow that you, if you fail, God would strike you. No, 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 no. If, if, you, if you say I'm going to do something and you fail, get up and say, God, forgive me, and get up and do it again. Just move on. But I am talking about something that changed my life because I really wanted to do it. And, and I found it difficult to pray in my one bedroom that, at, at this house where I was staying while in college. And, but I, was, I would go to church uh, a few blocks away and, uh, on, uh, when we'd, uh, on a Wednesday night or something, and they, they said, well, can I go pray here? And they gave me a key to the church. Then when I left Kirksville and went to Hannibal to start teaching, I got a key to that church and I would pray. And then when I went to the University of Missouri, I got a key to that church and prayed. And then on and on went the story. And now I've got a key to second place so I can come and pray. You say, is that what I'm supposed to do? In essence, that's what you're supposed to do. Find a place of prayer each day and watch God work through you. When you do that, when you do that, you will find you will be at peace more than you had ever been at peace in your life. There is something there that's so tranquil about Jesus. Whenever he gets access to your life and heart. As the worship team comes, I'm going to share this closing uh, experience uh, uh, with you in just a moment. But I want the uh, uh, worship team to uh, be able to uh, be on the platform and be ready to lead us in worship today. But I want you to realize that the, if you are struggling in your relationship with Jesus today, and Vicki and I will be glad to be over here by the uh, missionary board and light and pray with you, and renew or start a commitment, even if you just gave God 30 minutes, some people be blessed if they had gave God 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But think about that. Think about think 30 minutes out of your life a day is not much. And then I read the word of God in addition to that. That's why now I need two or three hours because I've got my devotionals. I've got my family. You realize that with 14 grandkids, uh, that, that's 
that'll take, that takes 45 minutes. <laughs> it take, really takes an hour or more. And it just, but here, here's my point I'm trying to get you to see. When God just spoke to me how to pray for my family and, and pray for my wife and, and pray for our children, and then when they married, you know, I, I, the scriptures I prayed that every one of them, uh, all four children, that they would get a Proverbs 19.14 spouse. Uh, and that's a beautiful scripture, by the way. And so I, I just pray that they would do that. And so whenever it came time for one of them to get married, uh, now I got to clear up the story about Joe, but, but uh, <laughs> when he came up to me and he said, can I marry your daughter? I said, do you have a job? He said, no. I said, get a job. That was real simple. <laughs> and, and sure enough, he not only got a job, he had a great job, had a great business, and now he's got a great, great church here. But, but my point is I would pray for each of those. But here's what I want you to see. Back in 2001, a year before God said, pray across America in every state in the union, he woke me at 2.30 in the morning. Both of them were 2.30 in the morning. Unusual. And that's, when God, well, that's when I know God's serious, you know. In fact, would you stand with me as I share this? And they're going to go into worship. I was awake at 2.30 in the morning and was asked the question by the Holy Spirit. Why would I want them in my house? They never talked to me. People weren't praying. Even people that had received Christ, they weren't talking to Jesus. They weren't talking to God. And so I thought, well, why wouldn't we want to do that? And then this is what, he, this is what the Holy Spirit put through my mind. He says, tell them I love them so much that I was willing to die for them. Tell them I love them so much. I prayed for them on earth and I'm interceding in heaven now. Tell them that I love them so much that I want to return to earth and take you home with me in a perfect world and live together forever. Just talk to just talk to me. He did and will do of this fall on earth because he has prayed for us. And now it's our time, our option, our privilege to stay in contact with him through prayer and the word. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, changing us today. The enemy has convinced us that prayer doesn't work. Or we've busied ourselves so much that we couldn't find time. But if we found the time and we did it, we would find a great reward. Change our hearts to be like your heart, to worship you in prayer. Part of what God makes us brave to do is to admit some facts. Um, the fact that what we do consistently, repeatedly over time shapes us. That's a fact. You can look at it. You can look at the world around you. You can look at people you've known. I've known people that have had, had an alcohol addiction and consistently, repeatedly, over and over and over again have 
basically drunk their liver into a stone and faded out of this life. Shaped them. You heard from a man who's 80 years old and consistently, repeatedly over time, what he's done is he's consistently, since he was a junior in college, said, I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. I'm going to do that. I think most folks are trying to figure out how to get on your list. If you're praying two to three hours a day, there might be a little room. I don't know. But you see what consistent repetition creates. It shapes you. And that's a fact that you can't change that. So if you, if you choose to, you can choose to, to be here and to disengage. And consistent repetition of disengaging will shape you. You will become very like a professional like churchgoer that can basically stand in a room where there's a lot going on and God is speaking to you and you can act as if it's not happening. You're really good at it. You'll become shaped by that. You can also continue to come here and little by little by little, it's going to shape you. And little by little by little, your arms go from here to here. Or your voice goes to nothing, to a whisper, to singing, to belting it out. Your faith goes from, I don't know that God can even do what I can imagine, let alone what he can imagine. And then it begins to grow and grow and grow. What you do consistently, repeatedly shapes you. And so I want you to be challenged this week, this month, this season, that, man, make a commitment to the Lord and and begin somewhere, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it may be, that you're going to begin this season of prayer and fasting, 2020, and we're going to begin to move individually and together into some awesome stuff that's going to shape us. You won't even recognize the person in the mirror a year from now because of what God's going to do in your life. It starts today. So Heavenly Father, as we go, Lord, I pray right now for all my friends, Lord God, and I just pray that we would see, Lord God, the effects of years and years of years going before you and and telling you everything and, and trusting you allowing you to reveal to us what we need to be thankful for, the things that you've done and that you will do, and allowing your peace to guard our heart and our mind. And Lord, we've seen an example, two examples today of what it looks like and what the results are. And Lord, I pray that we can see why pray. There is no other answer, Lord God, because you know and you have our best in mind. Lord, may we open up that dialogue this week. May we be become light in dark places. May we share a word of encouragement. May we pray with someone this week. And may we not be ashamed. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our hearts. We know, we feel, we sense, Lord God, we're right on the brink. Lord, may there be a breakthrough this week for everyone in this room. May they look back to today and say, you know what what it was? I didn't know it at the time, but I knew it, but I know it now. There was something that happened that day. Lord, may it be now. And may we step into that, Lord God, and may we be brave to do so. Empower us for that by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, one thing before you go. Um, we did not pass the clipboards. Um, so if you guys are interested in any of the things that I talked about earlier in my long conversation, please check the box, fill out your name, and let us know. We want to get you that information. Love you guys. See you guys very soon.